make you stronger. They make you wiser. God can, he uses the struggles we go through. We don't want to go through them, but he keeps us humble. And I love this. Man, it just so speaks to my life, but I just sense this was a word for maybe just someone tonight, like this was just going to be mail for you. Don't let the struggles break you. Let them make you. And um, we see that in Abraham's life. We're looking at Abraham tonight and uh, the faith of Abraham in Hebrews 11. Thank you, Chad, for letting me have the best text in all of Hebrews. Uh, let's pull it up. 11, 17, by faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, concluding that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from which he also received him in a figurative sense. So here you have Abraham. We're going to read. You can, uh, If you have a Bible, you can even turn back to Genesis 22. And uh, we're going to go back and find this story. And we'll also put it up on the the overhead here, but here you have Abraham being tested, and and um, God asked Abraham to offer up his son as a sacrifice. And what was such a struggle for Abraham, as we just keep this verse before you, is that God gave Abraham these promises. Uh, Abraham was almost 100 years old, and he didn't have a child. And yet he told Abraham, Abraham, you're going to be a great nation. How can you be a great nation if you don't have a child? Abraham, through your descendants, all the families of the earth are going to be blessed. And that is a, that's a promise of the Messiah coming. And uh, when you have the Messiah, your family's going to be blessed. My family's blessed. Oh, I want that so bad for you guys that you'll have blessed families. But here Abraham was given all these promises, and now God's telling him to sacrifice his son. Like, how can, how can God keep those promises when he's told me through Isaac these promises are going to be fulfilled and now I'm supposed to sacrifice Isaac? And Abraham had this incredible faith that he just believed, well, then if I sacrifice him, God's going to have to raise him up from the dead because God's promises are going to come true. If God gives you promises, they're, they're going to happen. And he says it's through Isaac, so if he wants me to offer him, He's just going to have to raise him from the dead, from which he also received them in a figurative sense. What does that mean? In a sense, Isaac did come back from the dead. Let's read it. Genesis 22. And it's just one of the great chapters. How many of you have studied Genesis 22 before? You know where we're going. You've seen this before. Raise your hand up. How many have not studied Genesis 22? You're like, man, I, this, this, I want to hear it. I haven't heard that. Oh, I'm so excited to share it with you. It's, it's incredible. Look at it. Genesis 22, 1, it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. So uh, God tested Abraham. God often tests us to reveal what's going on in our hearts. And you know, this wasn't the first time that God tested Abraham. Abraham's 130 years old at this point, and God's still testing him. And what we learn from that is God's going to test you too. He's going to test you your whole life long. He tests you to see what's going on inside of you. That, you know, as you face this situation, are you going to be honest? Are you going to be upright? Are you going to do what's right? Are you going to live to please God? Are you going to live for your flesh? Are you going to cut corners and... 
And we never really know. That's a, an, an interesting thing when you're reading the Bible because the Bible talks a lot about God testing you. You never know, really know when God is testing you. But this was a test to determine if Abraham, this is what this whole chapter is about. This was a test to determine if Abraham loved his son Isaac more than he loved God. And you can look up at the screen. Isaac was God's gift to Abraham. But if a gift, a gift, God is a God who gives the most wonderful gifts, but if the gifts become more important than the giver, that gift becomes an idol, right? And your whole life you're going to be tested. Is the, is the car, is it more important to you than God? Is the girlfriend, is the relationship, is the career? Because God wants to give the most wonderful things to you, but not if the gift is going to become more important to you than the giver. That would be an idol. And Abraham wanted a son so bad. You know when you wait for something a long time, you want it so bad, and he finally had a son. And, and God's testing Abraham. This is the greatest test of his life. In Genesis 22:2, he said, Take now your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I'll tell you. So uh, does this story sound familiar? Have you ever heard of a father before who loves his son? Because actually this is the message of the Bible. God loves his son. And this whole story you're going to see is a prophetic picture of the love that God has for his son. Take now your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love. Uh, you wouldn't know it if you study, you pick up on it. First time love is ever used in the Bible. Uh, because at the very center of love, the greatest love in the universe is God's love in the Trinity. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And, and the love that the Father has for the Son. And he says, take now your, your only son whom you love and go to the land of Moriah and offer him. Literally, the word offer him means to, to lift him off the ground. It's going to be a, a wood offering, and the sacrifice is going to be lifted off the ground on the wood offering, hanging or, or laying before heaven and earth. Offer him there. And, and again, all of this you're going to see as we go through this is all going to point to God who loved his son and gave his son for us. Offer him there as a burnt offering. A burnt offering is when you offer the entire offering. The entire offering was consumed. And again, this points to Jesus too. But Jesus completely gave himself. And, and where was this to take place? You see there, the land of Moriah. Where's the land of Moriah? land of Moriah is in Jerusalem. Mount Moriah is a mountain range that goes across Jerusalem. And there on Mount Moriah, one of the outcroppings of Mount Moriah is called Calvary. And it's there that God would offer up the son that he loves. He would hang there on the wood between heaven and earth. He would completely give himself. So this story is just going to unfold more and more. So 
Go to the land of Moriah and offer him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I will tell you now. Also, Moriah, we'll bring it up. Moriah literally means foreseen by Jehovah. And what we're seeing here is the story foreseen by Jehovah is being foretold by Jehovah. The message of the cross. From the very first book of the Bible, God's going to tell us the entire message of the cross. That God loves his son and offered his son. And on the third day, his son lives. Let, let's keep reading. And, and even before we go to the next verse, um, listen to what Isaiah says. The same thing that we're seeing here. Isaiah says in Isaiah 46, 9, For I am God. These are some of my favorite uh, verses in the Old Testament. I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me. I use that in my prayers every day of my life. God, there's none like you. No one has the place in my life like you do. No one else is supposed to have the place in my heart and life like you do. You alone are, are God. There's none like me, the Lord says. And look what he says here in Isaiah. Declaring the end from the beginning... And from ancient times, things that are not yet done. Now, that's exactly what God does here. In the first book of the Bible, he's going to tell you the whole message of the Bible from the very beginning. And so let's, let's keep discovering. It's really fun to discover. Genesis 22.3. And so Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and Isaac, his son. And he split the wood for the burnt offering, and he arose and he went to the place where God had told him. So what's significant? Why is this detail there that there were two of his young men with him? Because it's all part of this prophetic picture of what was going to take place on this same mountain 2,000 years later, because Jesus, God's son, whom he loved, was lifted up on the wood on that very same mountain, and there were two men with him, too. We read about it in the Gospels. In Matthew 27, it says, and we'll bring it up, Then two thieves were crucified with him, one on the right and the other on the left. If you, have you read that before? Have you read these stories? The two thieves is pretty remarkable that uh, Jesus is being crucified, and there's two thieves that are, are being crucified, too. And they're mocking him. They're laughing at him. They're ridiculing him. And when they begin to drive the nails through Jesus' arms, something happened that none of those soldiers had ever seen before. He wasn't resisting. No one was taking his life from him. He was laying his life down. And he prayed something none of them had ever heard before for someone being crucified. He said, Father, can you finish it? Father, forgive them. They don't know, they don't know who I am. They, they don't know what they're doing. Father, forgive them. And you know what? Those two thieves that were listening, one of the thieves, it's, it's a remarkable thing because they're both equally close to Jesus. They both heard the same things. And one of the thieves just kept mocking and laughing at him. But one of the thieves was cut to the heart. And he said to the other thief, don't you even fear God? We're, we're here justly. We're criminals. And then he confessed Jesus' innocence. He said, but this man has done nothing wrong. And then he prayed 
a saving prayer. Tremendous faith. He said, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And the Lord told him, most assuredly, I say to you, today you're going to be with me in paradise. But it's such an amazing thing to think that two people equally close to Jesus, hearing the same words, one of them was hardened and one of them softened. One of them was just as angry and bitter and hard, and one of them softened and Confess Jesus as his Lord. Isn't that amazing how, like even tonight, have you ever heard that saying? It says the same sun that melts the wax hardens the clay. Isn't that amazing? Like people hearing the exact same message, there'll be somebody here today just cut to the heart and, and, and just turning to the Lord, moved by the word of God, and there'll be someone else that'll leave just as hard as they've ever been. But it's, it's remarkable. This story, there were these two young men with him. And then um, we read the next verse, Genesis 22, 4. And try to just put everything up in front of you to just go a little quicker uh, tonight. But Genesis 22, 4, we read on the third day, three days, he's been traveling to get to this Mount Moriah. Abraham lives down in the south. On the third day, Abraham... Abraham lifted his eyes, and he saw the place afar off. So for three days, Isaac's been as good as dead in Abraham's mind, right? If God tells you you're going to offer up your son, your son's dead. Hard journey, hard things. What a struggle this must have been for this man, a three-day journey that God is, and you can't understand it. Why would God do this? I mean, a lot of times we ask those why questions, and we can't answer them. The why questions are really hard to answer when you're trying to understand what God's doing. We, we, a lot of times we just don't see what God's doing. And it doesn't make any sense to us. And so we question, well, maybe God's not good or maybe he doesn't love me. No, he does love you. And he is good. Those are like foundational truths. When you don't understand something, you always fall back on what you do understand. And the clearest message of the Bible is God loves you and God's good. And for three days, Abraham's going through this. And, and as we read through this story, we're going to find out as we keep reading that it's now going to be on the third day in this story. Isaac is going to live for three days. I'm going to be sacrificing my son. But as we keep reading, you'll see it on this third day, he's going to live. And 1 Corinthians in the New Testament tells us. That Christ died for our sins, was buried, he rose again, the third day according to the scriptures. So all of this is according to the scriptures. All of this is prophesied. Jesus' death, his burial, his resurrection. There's a saying, Old Testament concealed, New Testament revealed. It's all been prophesied. It's all according to the scriptures. And this would be one of those scriptures that, just as Isaac, you're going to see it as we keep going, Isaac is going to live on the third day. It's a, it's a prophecy of Jesus on that same mountain. He would be crucified, and on the third day, he would live. This is God's son. This is such an incredible chapter that 2,000 years before Jesus came, it's all foretold. Incredible evidence for the skeptic. And so let's read Genesis 22, verse 5 now. Abraham said to his young men, you stay here with the donkey. The lad and I will go yonder. I like that word, yonder. We'll go a little further and worship and we will come back. 
How many of you have uh, ever seen a children's Bible of Abraham and Isaac? Some of you grew up Christian homes. You, if you grew up in a Christian home, you see this story. There's little Isaac on the altar. Poor little Isaac. But actually, the Hebrew word speaks of a young man in the prime of his life. We, we make these mistakes a lot. Like just in a, in a simple reading, we draw conclusions that we, we haven't done enough study. And that's then the children's book gets put together. But actually, the, the word lad isn't talking about a child. It's a, it's a man in the prime of his life. And we're going to, as we keep reading, we're going to find that Isaac is strong enough to carry the wood up Mount Moriah. He's a stud, actually. <laughs> he's, a, he's a picture of my Taylor Wright looking like. He's a strong <laughs> He's a strong guy. Jerusalem's 2,500 feet. You, I don't know how far he carried the wood, but you carry enough wood for a, 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 an altar like this. He's, he's a no child. He's a strong Young man, in the next chapter, we find out Isaac's 37 years old. So this would probably make Isaac somewhere in his 30s. Somehow I imagine him being about 33 years old. Why? Because that's how old Jesus was when he was crucified. We're not told that, but, but this whole story points to him. This is, a, this is a young man in the prime of his life. And so we read here... In our text, the lad and I will go yonder and worship. Now that's also important because in this book of Genesis, this is, you see a lot of words used for the first time. This is the first time in the Bible. It's a big word, right? Christian worship. Worship's a big word in the Bible. First time it's used. And what's at the very center of worship? At the very center of true worship is a father who loves his son, who offers him, who the son is there between heaven and earth, and on the third day he lives. That's what true worship is all about. These first times that the words are used is powerful. And the Hebrew word for worship, just it's a very simple word, it just means to bow down. And how natural that is when you understand, because this is mind-blowing, if God, if God loves his son that much, and God is willing to give his son for you, what does that say of his love for you? That's why the Bible says God, it doesn't say God loved the world that he gave his son, God so loved the world. Like we can't even comprehend how much God loves us and we understand how much God loves us and he gave his son to die for me man the, 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 the logical conclusion is when you really understand what the message of the Bible is you bow down you serve God that, that's like the that's the reasonable response if you don't understand it you might, you might say I, I don't understand it enough but when you understand what God has done for you you bow down and when you understand who Jesus is, it's just a natural, again, when Jesus is just like a religious figure that's distant in, in, in church and on stained glass or something, you know, you don't, it's not causing you to bow down. But when you understand who Jesus is, when you understand what he gave up and he came to the cross for you, you understand the distance he stooped from heaven to the cross, to, to die for you, it's, it's natural to bow down and worship him. And the New Testament says this, and we'll pull up, it's Philippians 2.10. It says, 
at the name of Jesus, every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord of the glory of the Father. Everyone, every single ruler, every single king, every single general, every single president, every single knee, richer, poor, great or small, is going to bow the knee. Uh, those who understand who Jesus is, they're, they're bowing the knee unto salvation. That saves you. For some people, it'll be under condemnation. They, they rejected Jesus. They're still going to bow the knee. Every professor here, every president at OSU, every high-ranking person, every person is going to bow the knee and confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. And so, well, in our text, we're reading that Abraham said to his young uh, man, you stay here with the donkey, the lad and I will go yonder and worship, and we will come back to you. This is faith. This is incredible faith. God's given me promises. It's in the Son. He wants me to offer them. I'm going to offer them, but we're coming back. It's incredible faith that Abraham had. And again, our text, I'll just bring it up again because it's the, it's the text Chad gave me. is by, by faith, Abraham, when he was tested, we're, we're all going to be tested. Abraham passed the test. He offered up Isaac, and we'll, we'll read the story still, but concluding that God was able to raise him up, even from the dead, from which he also received him in a bigger sense. We're going to see Isaac does live, and, uh, and I, Abraham had this incredible faith here that we're coming back, and let's keep reading. Verse 6, Genesis 22, 6. So Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering, and he laid it on Isaac, his son. And he took the fire in his hand and a knife. And the two of them went together. So what, what's significant about this? What's significant about Isaac carrying the wood? Well, you're like, okay, I'm getting it now. Because 2,000 years later, Jesus, God's son, would carry his own cross. It's the whole gospel foretold 2,000 years before. God says, I'm going to tell you the whole story from the beginning that you'll know I'm God. That you'll, that you'll know this is my word. This is not the word of man. This is my word. This is my plan. This is, is, is my work upon the earth that I'm going to send my son. And notice it says he took the fire in his hand. The fire speaks of the wrath of God. If you know the New Testament... When Jesus went to the cross, he took the wrath that you deserve. That may be a newer concept to you, but God's a holy God, and his wrath burns towards sin. And when Jesus was at the cross, he took the wrath you deserve, so you would never have to take the wrath of God. And Jesus said words like this. He said, he said that... Um, he who has the Son has everlasting life. These are Jesus' words. And he who does not believe in the Son, the wrath of God is on his life. Like if you're not yet a believer, you're going to face God's wrath on the present path you're on. But Christ came so you would never have to face that wrath. But that became to 
save you. Sometimes people are like, save me from what? Save you from a holy God's wrath. God's not just a holy God. God's also a loving God. He loves you. He sent his son to die for you, to take the judgment that you would never have to take the judgment. Let's keep reading it. And so there's the wood. That's a picture of Jesus carrying the cross. There's the fire in Abraham's hand. And then just before we move on, there's also a knife. What's the knife for? This son would be pierced. It's prophetic. What happened to Jesus? He was His hands and his feet were pierced. It's the story all foretold. Let's go to the next verse. Genesis 22, 7. But Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, My father, he said, Here I am, my son. And then he said, Look, the fire and the wood, we're going we're gonna to build an altar. And we've got the fire. But where's the lamb for the, the burnt offering? And Abraham said, this is one of the most powerful verses in all the Bible. Abraham said, my son, God will provide himself the lamb for a burnt offering. And so the two of them went together. This was a prophecy. Abraham is prophesying. And, and some translations say, my son, God will provide for himself the lamb for an offering. But the, the literal translation is God will provide himself the lamb for a burnt offering. Incredible prophecy. Who is Jesus? God has provided himself the lamb. God in the flesh came and became a lamb and went to the cross. And Genesis 22, 9. Then they came to the place which God had told them. And Abraham built an altar there. And he placed the wood in order. And he bound Isaac, his son, and laid him upon the altar upon the wood. Why is that? Why, why is that so powerful? Why is that underlined? He bound Isaac. How old is Abraham? 130 years old. How can a 130-year-old man find someone as strong as a 30-year-old man? Only one way. What's the answer? Isaac submitted to his father. That's the only way he could be bound and put on. No way could you put a young man up on the altar. He had to submit to his father. Well, that's the message of the New Testament, that Jesus submitted to his father even as Isaac submitted to Abraham. And we read of that submission in the Garden of Gethsemane, probably you've heard before, Matthew 26. Oh, my father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. The cup is talking about, from the Old Testament, drinking the cup of God's wrath. And, and, and Jesus is just Dreading going to the cross, not just the physical torment, but he knows he's going to drink the wrath of God so you'll never have to. And he, he says, Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And three times he prays this, right? And, he, and what happens in this is he submits to the Father, but not as I will. I don't want to go to the cross, but he submits because there is no way possible for you to come to the Father except by the cross. 
And so we keep reading. It's still so much good stuff here. Just keep going with me. Genesis 22.10. And Abraham stretched out his hand, and he took the knife, <coughs> slayed his son. How could this worst three days of my life, how, 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 how could God ask me to do this? And how, how is he ever going to fulfill his promises? And why, 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 why it makes no sense? And and right when he takes the knife to slay his son, verse 11, the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said to him, Abraham, Abraham. He said, here I am. Verse 12, he said, do not lay your hand on the lad, nor do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, since you've not withheld your son, your only son from me. And what we see here is that Abraham passed his test. This was a test. God was testing him. Abraham, do you love me more? Or do you love the gift of a son that I've given to you more? And Abraham passed the test. He did love God, the giver, more than he loved Isaac, the gift. And you know what happened on that third day? He traveled for three days. He finally got there. They build the altar. He puts his son up on it. He's gonna. His son's as good as dead. God said he's to sacrifice him. The third day, Isaac lived. It's all prophetic. It's the whole gospel foretold. Genesis 22, 13, the next verse. Abraham lifted his eyes and looked, and there behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by its horns. And so Abraham went and took the ram, and he offered it for a burnt offering instead of his son. The, the ram was God's provision for Isaac. But the lamb that God had prophesied about wasn't yet offered. God will provide himself the lamb for an offering. That, that, that wasn't offered on this day. That was a prophecy. That's a prophecy that would be fulfilled in Jesus and where the ram was the provision for Isaac, the lamb that is being prophesied about is God's provision for the world. God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. And then this is our last verse. We made it through that whole section in um, verse 14. Oh, so powerful. And Abraham, Abraham prophesies now. He's gone through this tremendous struggle that he's, that he's gone through. And Abraham prophesies. He calls the name of the place. There he is in Jerusalem. He's on this mountain range. He has no idea there will be one day a city there named Jerusalem. That he's on an outcropping called Calvary. He has no idea. He just prophesies. The Lord will provide. Or in Hebrew, Jehovah Jireh. God's going to provide. He doesn't even know what he's saying. He just says it. God, you know, Sometimes God leads us to say Things and, and we're like, I, I don't know if I can say that. You know, and, and the Lord's just saying, say it. Um, one of my friends, um, he, he was telling the story once that when he was younger, that uh, the Lord uh, spoke to him and his friends that they were to go into this apartment complex. And he said, the Lord spoke so clearly to him, open the mailbox and yell into the mailbox, God loves you. Jesus died for you. And say it again, God loves you, Jesus died for you. And they just were like, oh, this is a true story. And he, he said, you know, they just felt like I want to do that. And they did that, and they did it again. And God said, do it again. 
And the, some of the guys in the car are just going, you guys are like out of your mind, you know, yelling in the mailbox. Well, this guy comes down out of an upper apartment, and he was standing on a stool, and he was about to hang himself. It made no sense for them to just go in this apartment complex and yell something that God was telling them to yell, but, but it did make sense. There was someone that needed to hear from them right then. Sometimes we don't, you know, God is asking us to do things. We, we don't even know what he's asking us to do. Abraham's prophesying, the Lord will provide. He, he doesn't even know what he's prophesying. As it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. In, in this mount, God's going to provide. This prophecy of the lamb, God provided himself the lamb. In this mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. And God has provided. There on Mount Moriah, 2,000 years later, God provided himself the land. You know what I think of when I think of this story in the Old Testament? You can bring it up. I think of a watermark whenever I, I study this. And on a $100 bill, there's a watermark. And I know there's two pictures. You can just, this, is, this will do. On a $100 bill, you probably you know, have held one up before. And Benjamin Franklin's on the $100 bill, but then there's the watermark, right? And the, the watermark is that guarantee that that's an authentic $100 bill. I always think of that when I think of these, uh, these chapters like this, uh, like uh, Genesis 22. It's like a watermark. It's, it's, it guarantees the authenticity that this is God's word. Only God could tell you the end from the beginning like this. And um, when uh, the New Testament starts, John says this, and we'll finish here. He says, behold, when he sees Jesus, he says, this is uh, John the Baptist. He says, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. That's Jesus. He's that Lamb that was prophesied. In the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. It was, it was happening. Jesus was there in Jerusalem. He would be crucified on Mount Moriah on that outcropping called Calvary. And look what it says. He's the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So did Jesus take away the sin of all the world? Well, that's a loaded question, huh? His death was sufficient for every single person that would trust in him, for the whole world. The whole world can be saved. But what Jesus accomplished there at the cross, it's only yours when you receive it. It's not yours until you receive it. Listen, and it's the last verse I'll read you today as we finish. This is how the book of John starts. It says, he came to his own, that is, Jesus came to the Jewish people, and his own did not receive him. The Jewish people rejected him. It's, tra it's tragic. But here's the reason that the Gospel of John is written. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become the children of God to those who believe in his name. What Jesus did there at the cross, a fulfillment of 2,000 years of history, the fulfillment of the, the Father who loves His Son, and the Father gave His Son, and the Son would live on the third day. 
What he accomplished is not yours until you receive him. Look what it says. As many as receive him, to them he gives the right to become the children of God, to those who believe in his name. And that would be the question for you tonight. There's a, you know, a dividing line through the room here. There are those that you've opened your heart and you've received him and you've believed in him in such a way that you become a child of God. You're, it's, it's a miracle. It's called, salvation is the miracle of a moment. Someone can sit in a room like this on a college campus and in a moment, a miracle can happen. You can be saved. Well, then the making of the man or woman of God, that's going to take a whole lifetime. The rest of your life, God will be testing you. God will be working in you. God will be moving by his spirit. Retreats are part of that. Studies are part of that. Church can be part of that. Discipleship is part of that. Community is part of that. But what about you? Have, has that miracle of a, of a moment happened where you opened your heart and you received them, you believed in them, and you become a child of God? In that moment, what Jesus accomplished becomes yours. You're saved. He takes away your sins. And fellowship with God begins. And that, that is the greatest life. That's the, the greatest life. Let, let's bow our heads there. Let's pray. We've got a few minutes to um, finish things up. But Lord, would you just work? Lord, just all the struggles that we go through and... Lord, just not always aware of what you're up to, how you're working. Lord, would you just work in every single person here, Lord, just giving us that confidence in you, Lord. Just, just when we're facing things that we don't understand, to just be even thankful in the hard things. But uh, Lord, I, I pray for just a, a special work of your spirit for anybody here today that that this is a night for them to receive you, Jesus. This is a night for them to open up their heart and receive you into their heart and become a child of God. And I'm just going to give an opportunity here. If, if you think that you might be in that place, that, you know what, hearing that, your, your heart is soft. It's, it's, it's more than soft. Your heart is overwhelmed. It's, it's spectacular that God has told us this message from the very beginning. And, and maybe like never before, your heart's just really open. And you're in a place where you want to receive Jesus, that he's the Lamb of God. He's, he's the fulfillment of all the Old Testament. He came to take away your sin. He came to, to take God's wrath in your place so, so you'd never have to. He came to save you. And if that's in your heart, you could just pray that right where you sit. You could just say, you just say, Lord, I, I receive you. Just come, come into my life. And he will. He'll come in. And just, just tell him, I believe that you're the, you're the lamb. I believe you died to take away the sin of the world, and I, I, I need my sins taken away. I need my sins forgiven. 
And if you've never, if you've never prayed that way in a saving way, pray that right now. Just, just with tenderness, just ask the Lord, Lord, forgive me. Come into my life tonight. I receive you. That's that's where you're at. You could just pray that. As simple as 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 genuine as you know how, you can just pray that. I receive you, the Lamb of God. And I'm just going to ask, I would just keep our head, just our eyes closed, just for a minute, just out of respect. But if you're someone that there's just a real tenderness in you, and this is an evening of, of you were praying that way, you were praying to receive Jesus, why don't you... Could you just lift up your hand? I, I just want to know who you are, and I want to pray over you, knowing that was happening in you tonight. If, if, if that was you, you were praying that. You were praying, yeah, Jesus, I receive you. I believe in you in such a way to save me. Just slip your hand up. Just, just high enough where I can see it. Beautiful, yeah. Yeah, that is so awesome. Look up here at me just for a minute. Yeah, awesome. Anyone else? It's a saving moment for you. It's a moment in your heart you're you're willing to bow down to God and bow down to Jesus and worship Him and follow Him and give your life to serve Him. And anyone else? And mainly, I'm just asking if you prayed that way. Were you praying, "I receive you"? If you were, I, I just want to know, and I want to pray over you. Yeah. And that needs, and I know it's a struggle if your heart's like racing, like, am I going to let them know I raised my hand? Look, look up here at me just real quick. So beautiful. What a joy. What a joy. Anyone else? Yeah, look up here real quick. Yeah, it's awesome. Hey, so neat. Anyone else? Last Last time, I'm just going to call it. If you were praying that, you know, you can like be like, no, I'm not going to reveal that I was praying that. Why would you want to do that? God drew you here. You don't want to be ashamed of that. You want to be like, yeah, God's starting such a good thing in my life. And I need it. I need him. Anyone else? Last, last person who wouldn't miss you? All right, I'm going to pray for, for you three. Lord, thank you for these three. So beautiful. They just have a strength to raise their hand and just a, a softness in their heart hearing the word of God and then just being so soft to, to respond and to want you and to need you. And would you just pour out your spirit in their hearts tonight and their lives? Just fill them with joy. I mean, as they, even as they go home tonight, as they lay on their bed tonight, I mean, just joy fill their heart and prayer be alive in them that they could just thank you and love you and just make you first in their life and could you let this community be a place where they they grow in you and and the miracle that's happened now that now the the woman of god the the man of god the the work will start just growing and growing and growing lord Bring that up just the last time that be thankful. I really do believe that's for someone. Could you? I really do believe, you know, be thankful for your struggles you go through. 
feel like a feel like a mail courier. Like just bring it and give it to someone tonight. They make you stronger, wiser, and humble. Don't let them break you. Let them make you. Isn't that amazing? Like when we read this story, this is the last thing I'll say. God let Abraham come right up against the line of like as much humanly as he could endure. But God had a plan, didn't he? And you know what? Abraham probably never knew how great of a plan it was. He never probably even could have dreamed that God was working such a far-reaching plan that people for thousands and thousands of years would read his life and be encouraged by his faith and and even that his whole life would be telling the story of the Messiah. I mean, that's even like a level like he had no way of knowing that God was up to such a great thing. Don't let these struggles break you. Like, like Abraham, let them make you into the person.